0: You are listening to The 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day. We study God's Word and then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that God's given us. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. You can check us out at soh.church. And while you're there, download our free mobile app, Uh, You can check out our services, our messages, our articles. We've got a great online community for you to keep in touch with, and there is a digital Bible on there so that you can follow along each and every day as we go through the Gospels. We are in the Gospel of Matthew, Chapter 14. Oh, by the way, if you're listening anywhere where you get your podcasts, I can't forget that, like, share, subscribe, turn on your notifications, please leave a message in a five-star review. All of that stuff helps us to get in front of more people, and we do it because we want people to know and understand the Word of God, because the truth sets you free. Amen? So, Matthew chapter 14, continuing today. Yesterday, we saw Jesus feed the 5,000. Actually, let's Let's count the women and children in this, the 5,000 plus, uh, we saw a miracle where a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish fed a whole lot of people. And what is going on in Jesus's ministry to the eyes of the disciples is probably a whole lot of success, and I would agree. Uh, But what is also going on is we're seeing that the crowds are starting to get the hint here that, hey. This is the Messiah. Now, the challenge here as well is their version of the Messiah wasn't fully or properly formed yet. Remember, Israel was looking for an earthly king, one that would provide for them physically, one that would rule and lead them to what they thought was political victory. And that just was not the Messiah that God planned, was not the Messiah that Jesus was. So we start seeing, and even if we go back to uh, John, John tells us that the crowd immediately after feeding them wants him to be king. And also we see in the Gospel of John in the next couple of uh, verses uh, after this account that they start following him around, not so much because uh, of who Jesus was, was because they were hungry. They wanted more food. And something really falls short when we only believe that God exists to supply our physical needs. Uh, we, When we see children that have this type of mentality, right, what do we say? They're spoiled. <laughs> you know, all they want is what they want, and that's it. Um, but what Jesus does is he withdraws. He doesn't stay there and say, "Make me king." He goes and he prays. And we talked about it yesterday of how Jesus would always go and get his time with the Father. And we explained why that is because I know early on in my walk, I wanted to know, well, if Jesus is God, why does he have to pray? is because he is fully man and fully God at the same time. And his flesh needed that connection to the Father. And that serves as a good example for us. Our flesh, our needs, our wants, our desires, our physical being desperately needs that spiritual connection to God. So fight for your alone time with God. Amen? So today we are going to also look at a familiar story. Jesus goes off and prays And then he tells his disciples, get into the boat and go on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And uh, that's where we begin today, and we'll just get started reading here. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 14, starting with verse 22. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. And go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. So we get this visual here of the disciples. Now they're in the boat without Jesus. And they're crossing the sea. If we remember back in uh, Matthew chapter 8, they were in the boat with Jesus when the storm came. Now they're in the boat without Jesus and the storm came. And that goes to prove if you're out there and you're a believer or if you're listening here and you're not a believer. Storms are coming no matter what. Right. And. If you remember also in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus calms the storm. Well, now it's them in the boat. And we get the understanding of the timeline here that they have been struggling against the wind and the waves for some time. No doubt, scared, terrified, worried, wondering if Jesus knew something they didn't. Remember, Jesus sent them over to the other side and was not physically with them. Put an emphasis on physically there. But he would be soon. And it says in verse 25, shortly before dawn. So Jesus lets him go all night out there. Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Boats in the middle of the sea. We remember from our previous teaching that the Sea of Galilee was subject to very sudden and violent storms just because of the geography. And Jesus appears walking on the sea. And I want you to also take note here that the very thing that terrified them was under the feet of Jesus. What if we took that viewpoint? We realized that the things that terrify us, the things that we worry about, the things that keep us up at night, that every one of them, is under the foot of Jesus. And here we get to a point where this is one of the most amazing things. We've heard the story a bunch of times, so maybe we're desensitized to it. But what's about to happen is absolutely staggering. Not only the fact that Jesus is walking along the water, and we're not talking about clear glass water, we're talking about waves. How would you even imagine taking the steps on that? I just, I don't know. I'm trying to get the visual. Would you be walking up one wave, down another? How would that work? You kind of tread an ankle deep. I don't know. We could, only, we could only imagine like the song says, right? So it said, when the disciples saw him, this is verse 26, walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Again, Jesus sent them out there. Jesus has performed all these miracles, and they're in the midst. And maybe they're just, you know, kind of war torn. What I mean by that, they've been fighting these waves and this wind all night. And sometimes, when you're just fighting the the storms in your life, you can get tired. And God's trying to help you, and and you're thinking, it's it's hard to even see Him. I'm sure the sea is spraying in their eyes. The wind is going. There's the sound of not only the waves and the wind, but probably them yelling. It's probably a pretty chaotic time. They cried out in fear, but Jesus immediately, think of that word, immediately said to them. He didn't let them toil out there any longer. He said, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. And it's at the sound of Jesus's voice that they recognize him. And this is where Peter steps up and shows his faith. And he says in verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied. Now I want to point out here that the translation is a bit off in a sense, which says, Lord, if it's you, more accurately would be Peter saying, Lord, since it's you. Do you see the difference there? If it's you, positions doubt, and it's just the way that is translated. But that word is since it's you. When we recognize God in our life, even when we're surrounded by chaos, and we see the Jesus in the situation, are we questioning if it's him, or are we going to act since it's him? And Peter initiates something really phenomenal here. He says, Lord, since it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter initiates this. And this is what faith does. Faith takes you from, I'm going to die. It's all going to end today. It's all going to fall apart today. No one's coming to help me. To... With you, all things are possible. To with you, I can do all things through what? Christ who strengthens me. We see an incredible move here by Peter to to step out onto the boat. And Jesus says, come on. A lot of times we think that we, we, we don't recognize that Peter initiates this. He sees Jesus. He says, since it's you, Let me come out there. Let me do the impossible too, because I can do that with you, Jesus. Let's continue. But like many of us, Peter gets down off the boat and he walked on the water and he came toward Jesus. So now Peter does what you and I would imagine is crazy. He steps out onto the water. That is a do or die situation for sure. But verse 30, we see something that we could all probably be pretty familiar with. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out and said, Lord, save me. So I want to continue with the visual here. He's stepping out. He's focusing on Jesus. Okay, we've probably even heard this message a million different times. Put your focus on Jesus and you stay above water. Look at the storm and you sink. I know, I know that message already. I've preached it a hundred times. But what happens is the wind begins to scare him. Probably the only thing he couldn't truly see. But he could feel it. And our feelings can really get us in trouble. A lot of times because they are what is truly contrary most often to the will and the ways of God. And yes, Peter does look to his right and to his left and he sees, it says is he sees the wind. He recognizes the wind and it says he is beginning to sink. So he doesn't just plummet into the ground. He feels himself slowly, Dropping down. We can imagine it almost like quicksand. And what does he say? He says, Lord, save me. I'm sinking. He says, Lord, save me. Three incredibly powerful powerful words. Parallels maybe, maybe only by I love you. Lord, save me. Now notice he didn't turn back to the boat and cry out and say, John, save me. He didn't say, Matthew, save me. And just imagine here for a second that the disciples, ignoring that Jesus was in the water, ignoring that Peter stepped out at the calling of Jesus, decided to throw him a rope, decided to try to pull him out. Sometimes we do people a disservice when we try to physically solve their issues, instead of turning them toward Jesus. I've been guilty of that myself. I want to help people solve things. The problem is, is that when they rely on me, they can only rely on my own limited strength. But if I turn them toward Jesus, then the possibilities for them are unlimited. They're so far beyond anything that I could ever personally do for them. So we should remember that. You and I can only do so much, but you can never go wrong at pointing somebody toward Jesus and cheering them as they walk toward him. I mean, ultimately, that was what Peter was doing initially, was walking toward Jesus. But he says, Lord, save me. I'm sinking. And immediately, Jesus reached out. Again, there's that word, immediately, again. Lord, save me, immediately. Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? You were focused on me. You were walking in the right direction. Don't focus on the waves. Don't focus on the wind. Don't even focus on the boat. The boat could break up tomorrow. Focus on me, says God. Too often we even look back to the physical things that we think sustain us. That boat wasn't helping them 30 30 minutes ago, 30 seconds ago. That boat was becoming a liability. It was becoming compromised. It was nothing but wood and nails. Jesus is the Savior. And that's where we need to focus, amen? And I love this visual, too, that sometimes we gloss over. That he says, you of little faith. Now, the cool thing is, is that Peter's little faith still gave him the nudge to get out and walk on the water. And I believe that this was a powerful part of Peter's ministry because Had he not stepped out, he would have never known what it was like to trust Jesus to that capacity. Had he not looked at the wind and the waves and then sunk and then had Jesus immediately come to him again. I mean, even though that we could chalk that up as some sort of a failure, ultimately, you think he trusted Jesus more? So, even the times where we are of little faith, And we fall on our butt. We have to realize. That all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. For those who are called according to his purpose. That even this. Which could be looked at as a. (laughs) We call it a failure. But the dude got out of the boat. The dude walked on water toward Jesus. Don't take the momentary failures in your life. And think that they dictate your whole life. they are nothing more than learning experiences for you. Amen. And we'll close out with this visual. It didn't say that they swam back together, right? They went back to the boat. They walked back to the boat together. Victoriously walking on the water together. Yes, there was a temporary sinking. And you may feel like your life is sinking right now. You may think, as Jesus, I've been following you, but maybe the wind and the waves, the same old storm. By the way, this was the same storm that was rocking them a few minutes ago. It wasn't a new storm. And so often we set on this path where we start pursuing God. And the same old storms come around. And then we allow ourselves to be scared once again. And we begin to sink. And that's okay. But the sooner you call on the name of Jesus, the less he's got to pull you out from. So if you feel like you're sinking today, call on the name of Jesus. Say, Lord, save me. Because we have to realize as we imagine them walking back to that boat together. That the Christian life, the one that you're living right now, is not sink or swim. It's trust and walk. Trust and walk. They got back in that boat and Jesus did what Jesus does. It says, when they climbed into the boat, verse 32, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. And when they had crossed over, they landed at Genesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all the sick and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. Maybe we'll touch on this tomorrow. And all who touched it were healed. Touching the cloak, stepping out on the water, takes action from us, acts of faith, often, to get us to this next level. Whether we get out there and dance on the water for a while, and ultimately when we hit that point where we start to sink a little bit, all who call on the name of Jesus get saved. This is not a sink or swim. Decide as you go out into the world today to trust and walk. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you that we can come together and study your word. We thank you that you are greater than all of the storms that we could face. That the very things that terrify us, Lord, are beneath your feet. And when we trust you, they're beneath ours as well. Give us the boldness and the courage, Lord God, to proceed today without fear. Give us the wisdom to know when we're sinking, to know when it's time to not focus on the boat, not focus even on the people around us in the boat who are going through their own storm, but to focus on you and have the humility and the know-how to say, Lord, save me. And Father, Father, We just want to be good witnesses to you. We want to glorify you in every area of our life. So as we go out today help us trust and walk knowing that you are with us walking in victory in Jesus mighty name. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. Check us out at soh.church or come and visit us 375 Comac Road in Deer Park, New York. You're listening to the one percent christian i promise you i didn't almost forget the name of the uh of the podcast here the one percent christian go out and do something amazing for christ's sake i love you guys we'll continue uh with maybe matthew 14 although we got to the end of it i might hit on that last paragraph uh tomorrow or we might start matthew 15 you'll have to see love you bye